This is The Guardian. Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Hello and welcome to the Guardian Football Weekly, part two of the Premier League preview. Today, the second half of the alphabet, including Liverpool and Darwin Nunes' chest hair update, Erling Brout, Fraudland and Manchester City. The weird Spurs have done their business early chat, plus Baz and I both relegate the same team who definitely won't get relegated. Plus there's the Ten Hag effect at Manchester United, Newcastle's first full season of piffing in the wind. There's your questions and after laughing at Troy yesterday for forgetting Everton, find out which team I left out completely and which team I put in twice. And Barry has just proudly announced he knows something about Southampton that no one else knows. This is the Guardian Football Weekly. On the panel today, Barry, have I have I built that up a bit too much, Barry Glendening? Uh, you've misrepresented what I said. I said I know something about Southampton. I'm pretty sure none of you know. Oh, but, okay, uh, okay. Yeah, other people definitely uh, know, particularly people at Southampton. That's a, a much lower <laughs> bar. <laughs> that is the voice of Simon Burnson. Welcome, Simon. Hello. Uh, are you well prepared? You've had two months of watching cricket solidly. That's why we booked you. Yes, yes. I've watched a lot of cricket. So when, when we come on to that section of the chat, uh, I should be okay. Marvellous. Jonathan Wilson, hello. Morning. How are you doing? Jamie says, Football Weekly and getting Wilson to cover the segment, which includes Manchester United. Shocker. Um, anyway, that isn't, that's not yet, because we begin uh, with Leicester City, who came eighth last season. Transfers in, nobody, out. Kasper Schmeichel. Uh, Ethan says, uh, is it sensible for a Premier League club to sell their number one goalkeeper four days before the start of the season without making sure they had a viable replacement lined up? Ollie says, who's going to be in goal now? Ian Walker. Um, they haven't got anyone, Wilson. And they have let Schmeichel go, and there's rumours of others as well. Yeah, I mean, presumably Daniel Everson's going to play, but uh, whether he's any good or not, I have no idea. Uh, but it, it does... I don't really understand what's going on at Leicester. I know that they've they lost £90 million over the last two years, and maybe they're looking to uh, yeah, resolve that. But there's a lot of talk about players leaving. I mean, Fafana possibly going to Chelsea, Madison, yeah, there's, a, there's a chase around him, Harvey Barnes as well. And, and the fact they haven't brought anybody in, I think... Should should be a matter of concern. Having said that, they were without uh, what five players, five first team players for for more than half of last season. So Fafana, indeed, Evans, Vardy, and uh, James Justin, and they still finished 
eighth, I think. So, you know, there were no danger of relegation last season. I would assume even without AB coming in, they'll still be mid-table, but I think the potential is there for it to go quite badly wrong, particularly because they they just look very short at centre-back with Soyuncu out of form and uh, Vestergaard, uh, who, of course, we, we all remember him moving there last summer. Um, <laughs> That that is an in joke from a train journey where we all thought Jan Jan Bednarek was rumoured to be going to Leicester, and then we all agreed that had already happened. But we got our Bednareks and our Vestergaards muddled up. They could do. With I think it's fair, to be honest. Or Vestergaard, whichever one they haven't already got, they could yeah. do with the other one. They need, they, <laughs> they need bodies in. They need numbers at centre back. But yeah, you know, if Fafana's back and doesn't leave for Chelsea, well, you know, maybe that solves it. Maybe Sanchu has been able to reset after the Euros and, and will will regain his form. So. I don't think it's catastrophic, but I think there are doubts around Leicester. And Barry, Wesley Fafana has hinted at his exit by removing Leicester City from his social media profiles. Well, we should automatically read way too much into that. Um, I'd be concerned if I was a Leicester fan. They they have a chronic ability to defend set pieces, which I believe has continued in pre-season. I haven't seen any of the games, but I think I read somewhere that they've been conceding goals from set pieces uh, with with abandon. Um, Yannick Vestergaard, I believe they want to sell along with um, Ryan Bertrand, and they need to sell players before they can get anyone in. Uh, I would be surprised if Madison is still a Leicester player by the end of the window, and he'd be a huge loss. They're, in terms of goalkeepers, they have Danny Ward and Daniel Everson. There's a suggestion Martin Dubravka might go there. But uh, I, I don't think they're in any danger of relegation. I, I could foresee a situation where Brendan Rodgers is not in charge by the end of the season, whether he's sacked or buggers off somewhere else because he's decided things have got a bit stale where he is. Yeah, Simon, what do you reckon will happen to Brendan Rodgers? I can't, I can't work out if he's still good, how good he was at his peak. Maybe he's still really good. I don't know. I, well, I think he's still excellent, but I I also think that he has a, a shelf span, a lifespan, uh, and that he <laughs> You mean he's stay. not immortal? <laughs> he's not immortal? Is that what I, you're saying, Simon? Well, I, I mean, I do think that. If, if, <laughs> if you're pushing me on that particular <laughs> subject, I do think he's probably not immortal, although okay. there is some, uh, some art of him that will live forever, but... I, yeah, I think he's a. I think he's a great manager. I still think he's a great manager. But I think that after, there were signs last season that his methods were starting to grate rather than to inspire, and uh, for that reason, I also like Barry. I can see him potentially not lasting the season. I think that Leicester are. I'm not sure they'll do as well as eighth, but I'm not sure they'll be that far off. And they might not have made any signings, but they still have quality through the team. So. I think they're okay. I think they might just start to. You know, the issue is what a, a team is for if they're not if they're not competing for Europe and there's no chance of relegation, and they they might be stuck in that kind of no man's land. And presumably Jamie Vardy has to play for another couple of years just to make up oh, all he, that. He actually is immortal. Yeah, he is immortal. <laughs> He's poorer than he was. Um, I have them thirteenth. Where have you put them, Wilson? Hang on. So it's the next page of my notebook. I have them. I have them 11th. Barry? 12th. Simon? I also have them 11th. Right. Uh, let's do Liverpool. Second last year. They brought in uh, Darwin Nunes. They brought in Cavalier from Fulham. Um, 
and the lad Ramsey from Aberdeen. Sadio Mane is gone, uh, along with Nico Williams and, and Minamino. Um, at Liverpool, Barry are very good at football and watching the Community Shield, they, they look like they'll be very good again. Yeah, my concern about Liverpool is that the exertions of last season when they played 63 games out of a possible 63 will at some point catch up with them. Darwin Nunes looks a fantastic signing. Luis Diaz is already slotted in seamlessly. I expect them to finish second, but I can't see them trouble in Manchester City. And I could, uh, in my, my outlandish prediction for the season, is that they could drop out of the top four. But I, I think that's extremely unlikely. What do you think, Wilson? How do you see Liverpool faring? Uh, I think the thing they could play to advantage this season is the World Cup in the middle of the summer, particularly given that Salah, who I think hasn't really been right since the Cup of Nations, uh, and Luis Diaz, and Naby Keita, and Andy Robertson, will all have a month off. Uh, whereas City, I think, have 16 players like to be involved in the World Cup. So if if there is a post-World Cup hangover, and I think we're, you know, we're pretty used to seeing that even in a normal season, that the first month or two after the World Cup or after a major tournament, you do get some slightly odd results and you do get some players who who struggle for form. That, you know, that, that could be an advantage for Liverpool th- th- this time around. But fundamentally, I, I, I think... They're just not quite as good as, as City. They've they've done incredibly well to stay on the coattails given how much less they've spent and how much less they have to spend. Uh, I think if I were a Liverpool fan, I'd be very encouraged by that community shield that Nunez seemed to fit in much better than Holland had at City. But yeah, it's one game, it's very early on. But I think clearly there's some adjustments City have to do. Whereas Liverpool, yet again, seem to have found a player who, who slots immediately into the system. So there was a danger as a hangover from last season when, you know, with... Uh, well, a week of a season left, they still could have won four trophies. Uh, but I, I think the the nature of that uh, parade, the sort of joyousness of that, despite having missed out on the league and the Champions League, the two biggest of those four trophies, uh, I, I think that that probably helped to sort of clear that sense of disappointment. And uh, yeah, I think they'll run City close. Sadio Mane is not there, Simon. Do you, sometimes you only notice how good people are when when they've gone. Um, Unlike obviously the immortal Brendan Rodgers, who will never go, but but um, how, how how will that change Liverpool's front three? I think that there are positives to him going. I think that uh, first, just trying to motivate exactly the same group of players with exactly the same methods is difficult. I know that the group is largely the same, but a, a certain amount of of uh, evolution is always positive. You know, so to stand still is to move backwards and all that. A certain amount of change is good. Uh, I think that they've essentially already replaced him uh, with a player who was excellent in the second half of last season. Uh, So, I mean, he really was great for them, Mane. He was a fantastic player. And it's not like he won't be missed at all. But I think they're in as good a position as possible to fairly seamlessly move on after him. After the Community Shield... I was impressed with the chest hair of Darwin Nunes and we discussed it at great length, probably at the expense of actually analysing the football match. And someone got in touch to tell me that it was a tattoo. So for a short amount of time, I mistakenly thought he had chest hair tattooed onto his chest. (laughs) (laughs) But actually, it is just a tattoo of something else. So the one thing about that forward line that uh, I'd be interested to see how it plays out, when Diaz came, came in, that meant Mane moving to the middle. And he he seemed to thrive in that. But I think it had a 
I think it diminished Salah. I think Salah was was better with Firmino or Jota through the middle, uh, dropping off, creating space for him. Now, I don't think Nunez is a player who will drop off. And so Salah's loss of form in the second half of last season, it wasn't, it wasn't catastrophic by any means. He was still a useful player. I'd be interested to see whether that was post-Cup of Nations fatigue and post-World Cup playoff fatigue or whether it is to do with a player being in his space. And if it is a two of the player being in his space, I'm not sure Nunez solves that. Jay Day says, rounding to whole points, how many will Liverpool lose the league by, Barry? Oh, eight. Eight. And he advances on eight? Five. Simon? Uh, I have them first. The main reason I have them first, I have to say, is that I don't have any few games Manchester City particularly. I just don't particularly enjoy watching them win stuff. And it's bad enough having to watch them win it without having to look forward to watching them win it. And so <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I see no reason to force that upon myself. I've mainly predicted them second on, on trying to avoid the recency bias of the Community Shield because I think that changed a lot of people's minds on who would come uh, top out of Liverpool and Manchester City. And I didn't want to... I didn't want to um, I didn't want that to to vex me over what might happen. You, you have them both second, Wilson and Barry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, don't give away who you have uh, coming first. Let's go to Manchester <laughs> City next. Uh, <laughs> who have bought in Erling Braut, Holland, and Calvin Phillips, Jesus, Sterling, Zinchenko have gone. Obviously, they really want to win the Champions League. And uh, Eric says it's clear that Holland is a bust. Uh, who should City target in January <laughs> to bolster their squad? Um, Mark says, with the Nordic ponytail looking like a kneecapped Ricky Van Wolfswinkel on Saturday, have Man City bought the new Lukaku? And could this result in them finishing outside the top four? I suppose the interesting question, Jonathan, is is how do they get the best out of Erling Bat Haaland? Yeah, well, I was, I was interested by the reaction on Saturday, which tends to be Haaland's played terribly, which is semi-true. Uh, and, and, you know, he missed two very good chances and he didn't look fully fit. But I think there's also City have to adapt to him. And there was at least four or five occasions when he started to make a run where there seemed to be quite a simple pass on. Yeah, he could have run onto and, and scored the sort of goal you know, we saw him score fairly regularly for Dortmund. Um, and the pass wasn't played. It, to an extent, that's not really a surprise. You know, the way City play, they like to preserve possession. They don't like to play those risky first-time passes. They're a much more patient team than, than Liverpool. But if you've got Holland, it sort of seems daft not to use that aspect of his game, particularly against a team like Liverpool who, who press high against you. Now, the, the majority of teams against City in the league this season will sit deep and, and that kind of opportunity wouldn't occur anyway. But I, I, I think what you, what you saw in the Community Shield was there is adaptation needed on both sides. And that might be the, the, the sort of the friction that produces the brilliance that wins them the Champions League. Or it might be like the Lukaku situation where a very good player in a very good team, somehow they, they don't really help each other. Barry, what do you make of the Calvin Phillips signing? I think he's a terrific player, um, and he he learned an awful lot at the knee of Marcelo Bielsa, and presumably he'll learn lots more at the knee of one of Bielsa's fabled disciples. Uh, he'll have to get used, to, I suppose, to, to possibly not getting as much action as he would like, but uh, I think it's a good signing. I'd, I'd be happy to have him in any team. The one signing you didn't mention is Julian Alvarez, who I think could be interesting. He He's apparently a fantastic 
young player. He can play in either wing. He can play as a second striker. And if Haaland is uh, firing, I would imagine Alvarez will provide him with a lot of ammunition. More than one person, Simon, has talked about Man City's squad being a little thin, which seems ridiculous. I guess at left-back, they don't have a lot, do they? And if they don't get Cucurella, who has simultaneously signed for Chelsea and categorically not signed for Chelsea, but doesn't look like he's going to Manchester City anymore. I mean, have they have they, have they they been sort of naive in, in letting all their, these players go? Certainly Zinchenko is a very useful player. I'm not sure he was a fantastic left-back uh, or that that was his best position. But a, a very useful squad player who's gone... Uh, I think it's hard to say. Like when when Calvin Phillips is coming in as what their third, fourth choice uh, central midfielder, it's hard to say that that is a, a particularly thin squad. But and they I, they do have a problem position. I've, I've I've got no doubt that they will deal with it before the end of the transfer window, albeit not it seems with their first choice. Can I ask, by the way, just slightly off topic? Why are Chelsea so interested in signing Cucurella when they have Ben Chilwell back from injury? I, I think there's a feeling that if you have very attacking fullbacks or wingbacks, you probably need two on both sides because it's such a physically demanding role. Uh, and I think Cucurella can play on the right as well. So he, he would offer cover for, for Reese James as well. I, I think it's a logic. And I think there's also maybe a sense that Chilwell... Uh, is a player who doesn't necessarily extend himself unless there's pressure on him. So whether they they, they feel he's a player who really benefit from competition, uh, I mean that's yeah that's more speculative, but I have heard that whisper. Can I ask you, Wilson, about Jack Grealish and your expectations for him this season? Yeah, I mean I don't think he had a terrible season last season, but yeah, that interview he gave on the pitch after the the, the Villa game, the end of last season, I thought was fascinating. But yeah, he was talking about how difficult he'd found it to, to play in a different system and to be constantly uh, told you cannot give a ball away when yeah, his natural game is to dribble. I think he was brought in a little bit in the same way that Holland's been brought in to give them something a bit a bit different, a bit less polished, a bit less predictable. And that hasn't quite worked yet. Uh, I think it's, it's not insignificant that Holland's first goal for City in that friendly against Bayern came from a, a Grealish cross. Uh, they seem to get on very well already. Now, that could be a very good thing for City, or it could be this little pocket of anarchy in a squad founded on order. Uh, and and that, that's the other thing with Holland, that he's a different personality type to most of the rest of that squad. Uh, so, yeah, and again, this is one of those things where yeah, in two months, it might seem ridiculous we're talking about it, but... That, that tweet he did when he went to M&S and said, you know, what am I going to buy? And then pictured himself buying some Percy pigs, then in brackets, don't tell anybody. Was that sort of a little bit of rebellion against City's strict nutritional plans? Or was that just sort of somebody taking a piss on social media? I don't know. But given his personality, uh, it wouldn't surprise me if that was a deliberate little, little jab back at the club, which is almost certainly not a problem. But if it becomes a problem, it's a problem. It's a sign of elite level sport when buying a packet of Percy Pigs <laughs> is an act of rebellion, isn't it? <laughs> the rest of us think, wow. God. In that world, I'd be a fucking maverick. I'd be wild. Two pints of bitter three days ago. Extraordinary. Anyway, that'll do for part one. Part two will begin with Manchester United. 
Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Dori Shafrir. And I'm Kate Spencer. And we are the hosts of Forever 35. And today, we're talking about Club Med, the best all-inclusive getaway for families. Today, Club Med has nearly 70 resorts worldwide, from beachside resorts in the Caribbean and Mexico, to magical locations in the Maldives and Morocco, to ski resorts in the mountains from Canada to the Alps. Between their all-inclusive family programming, wellness offerings, land and water sports, and their French heritage-inspired food and drink offerings, Club Med is the best way to elevate your family getaway, no matter which location you're at. To learn more, visit clubmed.us. Welcome to part two of the Guardian Football Weekly. Manchester United then uh, in Eric Ten Hag. They brought in Lissandro Martinez from Ajax for 50 million. Tyrell Malassia, left back from Final. Christian Eriksen's in. Paul Pogba's gone. Jesse Lingard's gone. Uh, Pereira's gone to Fulham. Um, a lot of the chat has been about Cristiano Ronaldo and Frankie de Jong. One player who is there, who I don't think they want there, and one player who isn't there, who they do want there. I mean... We don't know what will happen, Barry. Do, do, does it? How important is it to resolve that before the season? Do you think they definitely are crying out for a sort of a combative box-to-box midfielder? Uh, Eric Ten Hag seems to have his heart set on Frankie De Jong, who appears to have his heart set on playing football anywhere other than Manchester or Old Trafford. So that's a problem. Um, I'll I'll leave the Christian thorny issue of Cristiano. Ronaldo's imminent whereabouts to uh, Mr. Wilson. <laughs> but, Absolutely no opinion. <laughs> you know, that is definitely a problem because he doesn't want to be at Manchester United. They don't want him. No one else seems to want him. So that that is a big issue. Um, Eric Ten Hag, I, I think he will be a good manager, but the, just the Manchester United hierarchy is is a shambles and that 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 was illustrated again where the the new chief exec Richard Arnold has set up this sort of old boys club of Alex Ferguson, Brian Robson and uh David is it David Gill and someone else who who will presumably just convene once a week uh somewhere posh in Manchester have a nice lunch and make suggestions that will be ignored by the Glazers. Eric Ten Hag, I think, will do okay, but he already has problems and he will be working with, with one hand tied behind his back, at least one hand tied behind his back. Simon, can you, if, if Ronaldo stays, would he be the highest profile player ever to, to be left to rot in the reserves? Can you, can you, can you leave Ronaldo to rot? Um, he's perhaps the highest profile player ever, <laughs> yes. full stop. So, so I guess he probably would. Uh, I, have to, I have to say, I'm looking forward to. You know, lots of people are saying in this preseason period that um, it's unwise for United to rely on Martial and on Rashford, who only scored five goals between them last season, 
but I'm really looking forward to seeing them play again in their like to the best of their capabilities under a decent manager. They're two really uh, exciting players who've just uh, didn't last season didn't go at all well for either of them, uh, and uh, that is something I'm particularly looking forward to seeing this season with Manchester United. I do think Dean Henderson's comments when he joined Nottingham Forest were illustrative of uh, he was complaining about the way he was treated last season and not getting any game time. Uh, And they were just illustrative of a lack of seriousness somehow at Manchester United, I think. Not just the the way he was treated, though that obviously wasn't great, but also that he feels he can go on loan and uh, and talk about it. Uh, It's like another bad sign. It's whether Ten Hag can overcome all the kind of institutional issues there. And and do you think Ten Hag Wilson will, you know, he obviously comes from Ajax, right? There is a there is a inverted commas DNA there. If, the, if if there isn't one there, there isn't one anywhere. But there's a style of playing. Will he try and how pragmatic do you think he'll be, or do you think he will just try and say this is how we play from now? Well, I, I think I think for him, pragmatism is to play that way. Yeah, they, they don't play that way because it's it's pretty. They play that way because they think it's the best way of, of winning football matches. And everything he's done, uh, from the fitness work to, to the shape work, has been on trying to recreate that model. And, and you know, why, why would you bring him in to do something else? Uh, I think he's got a greater force of personality than, than Ragnar had. So, and I think probably arriving in, in, in uh, yeah, between seasons makes it easier to, 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 to try and impose that. I know he keeps saying that he's quite happy to work with Ronaldo, but he surely doesn't mean that. I think is the fact that he was prepared to take him on after the you know, Ronaldo disappeared midway through the second half of uh, the Vivalcano game. Uh, yeah, I think that's significant that he, he you know he, he's not going to be diplomatic about that kind of thing. He's, you know, he's not afraid to to offend Ronaldo. So yeah, I think he will try and impose an Ajax model. Whether those players are capable of that, I don't know. I mean, some of the stuff Rangnick said, or they came out of uh, training sessions about the work Rangnick was trying to do with the likes of Rashford, suggests that that's a very, very alien form of football to, to players who've, who've grown up at United with a series of managers who've had different ideas who who haven't tried to, to impose that very structured pressing. I think Jaden Sancho should benefit from that. I think Rashford maybe won't. But they're, yeah, they're short of a centre-back, they're short of a centre-midfield, they're short of a right-back. And you sort of look at the squad and, and yet again, it doesn't really hang together. That Are they going to play Maguire and Varane and Lissandro Martinez as, as a holding midfielder, because that, that's the only real way I, I see that working. Because uh, Martinez is, you know, is left-footed, uh, so presumably you want him playing on the left. So then, is he going to take Maguire's place? That, that seems very unlikely. Uh, and given the absence of a, of a holding midfielder, maybe he ends up playing in midfield. And what about Christian Eriksen, Barry? I mean, he's such a wonderful player, and it would be great to see him thrive. Yeah, I'm a big admirer of his. I'm not sure what his role will be. Will he play alongside Bruno Fernandes or will they be alternated? Um, I simply don't know and it'll be interesting to see, but it's a, it is a, a good signing. It may not work out though, that, you know, sometimes these things don't, but getting the player you want is, is only half the battle. Uh, where do you have them, Barry? Uh, I have them sixth. I have them sixth. Slightly worried we did these tables. We've been spending far too much time together, <laughs> Barry. Uh, Simon? Also sixth. Jonathan? Fifth. Fifth. Wow, okay. Uh, Newcastle. Ben said, would it be possible 
to get the panel's opinion on the Newcastle owners. I don't think this has been covered previously. Uh, Nick says, where do you think Newcastle will finish and where do you hope they'll finish? They came 11th last year. They brought in Sven Botman. Uh, Matt Target signed permanently. Nick Pope's come in from Burnley. Uh, only Dwight Gale has gone. Uh, more sort of sensible recruiting from them. And Eddie Howe, I, I don't know if, I don't know how fair we were to Eddie Howe last season. He did a really brilliant job actually, Simon, didn't he? He did. And he's an excellent manager. And I have absolute confidence that he will continue to improve Newcastle. And I'm, I'm reasonably impressed that they've uh, avoided the temptation to splurge on a random vanity signing this summer, which I completely and uh, wholeheartedly expected them to do uh, in favour of sensible team building. I see that uh, Miguel Almiron has been scoring quite freely in pre-season uh, and that's promising because he's never quite found his mojo uh, in this country. Uh, and I think you know, exciting as it would be for them to... You know, the idea of them getting relegated last season was, frankly, beautiful. It was wonderful. Uh, and it was stolen away from us by Eddie Howe and his damned competence. And I don't expect them to have... I expect them to have a very decent season this season. And actually, uh, Gimaresh as well, who came in Wilson last year, is a is a really top footballer. He is, and he gives them that, that bit of creativity that the, the possibly they'd lack through midfield. I mean, so, I mean, I'm still I'm sort of slightly torn between whether to be impressed by their restraint or whether to think they they probably needed one or two more. Uh, I, I do think there's a danger that, say, the season starts badly, fans who, you know, last November December were sort of dreaming of a future of. 25 superstars will be thinking, you know, was Sven Botman really what we went through all this sort of moral hand-wringing over? But but yeah, I mean, fundamentally, they, they seem to have addressed the problems that are in the squad. Uh, I, think, yeah, I think bringing in Popes, you know, very sensible. It's Yeah, it all seems disappointingly competent. And I, I say that from, you yeah, know, not, not as a Sunderland fan wanting them to fail. I say that as somebody who just wanted... Yeah, exciting, hilarious stuff to happen that we could laugh at. Yeah, and they they got Dan Ashworth in. He's you know begun his role as director of football now, and Darren Eels is their new chief executive. Um, he has previous at West Brom and Spurs, I think. So yeah, it it all seems to be going going depressingly sensible. I do think they still need a midfielder. Um, they there's talk there after Maxwell Cornet from Burnley. Whether or not they can keep Callum Wilson fit is is also a big issue, and history suggests that he will probably miss large chunks of the season because he's just one of those players who gets injured a lot. And as far as signing big name, you know, marquee vanity signings, I think it's not not the location that's often cited as the reason why people players don't want to go to Newcastle because they don't want to live in the northeast but i think they're quite a sensible wage cap which precludes them from uh making you know stupid offers to fancy dan signings so do you do you think they'll ever ever try and you know use all the money they have which we have obviously discussed at length previously to, to become a top 4 club do you, or do you think they will, you know, what, what the owners want is... I expect they will at some stage, but, you know, they have to... There there are fan, financial fair play mm. considerations to be taken into account as well, although... And 
quite ironically, I think Mike Ashley actually did them a favor in this regard because he was so tight that um, they they have the room to spend more money than other clubs, perhaps other super wealthy clubs. But um, I think most Newcastle fans are going into this season with kind of optimism they haven't felt for 15 years. And uh, the sensible ones among them will be patient and and quite happily settle for a, a quiet evolution, I would imagine. You, you've, you've also got the issue of European football, haven't you? That you know, when they can't offer European football to potential signings, you therefore have to pay them more. So if this squad can get them into Europe, then you can make that incremental step up the following season with Europa League football. And then potentially the season after that, you take a step up again and 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 hope to, to challenge for top four. Can they? Where do you have them finishing, Jonathan? I've got them seventh. Uh, Barry? Seventh. Simon? Eighth. Eighth for me too. Uh, Nottingham Forest uh, came fourth in the championship, came up through the playoffs. Um, we don't have time to read out all their signings because that <laughs> would be the entire pod. Um, they, they've signed so many players, Simon. I mean, can that, can that ever work? It's really hard. When a team gets promoted, they bring with them momentum and a collective spirit from the success of the previous season, particularly the way they got promoted, having started last season so terribly. Um, and I wonder what this has done to that spirit. And certainly it's very hard to say that they have momentum with such a different group of players. Uh, and obviously this season was going to be an enormous challenge for uh, for Steve Cooper, that he was losing Jed Spence anyway, who was one of the stars of last season. And a certain amount of rebuilding and improvement was inevitable, but 12 signings is perhaps a little excessive. And that, I mean, maybe it'll work, maybe it won't. And, and Cooper last season already did, uh, you know, a- achieved ludicrous, unimaginable things. Um and so is he, you know, what kind of managerial deity is he? Uh, we're about to find out. But, I mean, he has a hell of a job knitting that together. I, I think they'll stay up, uh, which would be a great achievement. And beyond the dreams of most of their fans, that would be an absolute success, finishing outside the bottom three. But it's largely down to blind faith in the abilities of Steve Cooper. I really think he has something about him. And um, he's done done an excellent job most places he's been, but he's, ne- he's never managed in the Premier League. Most of these players have never played in the Premier League. Um, so it is, it is going to be a very challenging season for them. Um, and it it could go disastrously wrong but i i think they will do okay and but that is only because i think steve cooper is a brilliant manager he he may not be as good as i think he is uh, neil says please tell me forest will be okay it's been 23 years i'm so sodding nervous for a man of 59 i probably won't be around if we go down and it's another 23 years we're a lovely club and tell wilson the press box is being rebuilt it needs to be have you got any further thoughts on forest can you tell neil they'll be okay no no i think they'll get relegated I mean, I just sort of think the the way they came up with so the, you know the, the team that won the playoff final had five lone players in it, so that immediately means you have to change things, and then spending eighty five million quid on twelve players. I mean, a lot of them seem quite sensible. You're bringing in Henderson and Hennessy to competition for a goalkeeping spot. Lingard obviously is is uh, 
Premier League experience. Uh, Nico Williams seems a you know, promising young fullback. Not, you, know, you can't highlight one signing and say that would be a disaster. But I just think 12 players is, is an awful lot. And, and that, that really concerns me, no matter how, how, how competent Steve Cooper is. Apparently, they're also interested in the Dutch striker Jiz Hornkamp from Willem II. Serotonin. Simon, you're the first to go. <laughs> Simon says, I reckon you and Barry couldn't be more delighted. I think that's an outrageous slur on us, Barry, don't you? I don't see how we would get any mileage. It's almost like if he's called jizz, you can't go anywhere with it, right? You can't. It's done. Like, it, like that's it. Where, where can we go? You can't be subtle, can you? Barry's saying nothing. I, I have nothing to <laughs> say. You have nothing to say. Uh, I have them, a bit like Barry, blind faith. And because they're new, 16th, Simon? Uh, I also have them surviving, and I've put them at 15th. Uh, Barry? 15th. Jonathan? 18th. 18th. Southampton? Uh, Paolo says, was preparing for this podcast the first time Barry has ever had to think about Southampton. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They brought in a few players. Uh, they signed Joe Rebo, who looked uh, very good during Rangers Europa League run. Uh, producer Joel is a Charlton fan, so he has written they have signed world-class Charlton Academy product. So the sky is the limit. They've also, and I, I, this passed me by completely, they've assigned uh, the Irish goalkeeper kid, Gavin Bazzuni, mm-hmm. from Manchester City. He seems to be a very highly regarded prospect. Now, Barry, tell us what you know about Southampton that none of us know. Considering the calamitous manner in which they finished last season, winning one of their last 12 games and losing nine of them, I thought Ralph Hasenhut might get the bullet. Um, but the the ownership, the owners of the club have incredible faith in him. So rather than get rid of him, they've completely sort of overhauled his coaching staff. So Carl uh, Martin's been promoted from the youth team. Alex Clapham has been brought in from Notts County. He's a sort of set-piece specialist. Uh, Dave Watson, Kelvin Davis and Craig Fleming have all left Hassan Hootl's uh, backroom team. And uh, Ruben Sellers is in as his number two from FC Copenhagen. Is, sorry, is that it? That was well, it. This big, big fact we're waiting for is they've overhauled their backroom team. Well, I think it's interesting that they overhauled a backroom team rather than overhaul a manager who, as far as I can tell, I'm, st- I'm still not sure whether he's any good or not. He's the third longest serving manager in the Premier League. There, there, there's a fact for you. I'll give you, I'll, give you, I'll give you another fact. I'll give you it in the form of a question. Southampton won nine games last season, but in how many of the 38 games did they take the lead? I have no idea. Do you want to have a guess? I mean, it's a number. Five. Five. I mean, they won nine, so like they clearly took the lead in at least nine. That's, that's how football works. Well, no, 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 no. Oh, yes, okay, that is true. Yeah, yeah I see. That. I thought you meant like like scored the first goal. No, no. I see. Right, right, okay, how right. many games were? Yeah, they okay. Ahead? All right, that's true. If they did win the game at one point, they would have taken the lead. <laughs> uh, nine. Barry. Uh, go ten. Simon. What? So I think. They did score in a lot of games last season. Even in their dodgy run towards the end of the, the season, they were scoring you know, one goal in most games. So I think that the other two are vastly underestimated. And I'm going for, of their 38 games, half of them. 21. Right. And I would say, with that, I have won the Southampton fact off. Yeah, you have. And you didn't even promise one. 
Yeah. You know, so you've over-delivered and Barry has spectacularly under-delivered. <laughs> he's he's coming to the ring on a flying <laughs> carpet and he's walked straight into a right-hander. With the news that Kelvin Davis is no longer the goalkeeping coach at Southampton. <laughs> this is not the fact I was expecting. Sorry, I forgot to say yeah. as well, they've got a new head of recruitment, which is big news. That's my feeble attempt too little, too late. defence. Barely even a consolation. Uh, Ward Prowse is staying. I think few people thought he would go. That 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 feels important. I actually have relegated them. I don't know why, because I don't think they'll go down. I just I just wanted something new to happen. I think Jonathan. Uh, I've got nineteenth. I think they're in because the oh, signings really? they've made. I mean, they're young, and to an extent that that makes sense. And there's, they've got a resale value. I think Hasenhüttl's methods work better with with younger, more biddable players. But that looks a really inexperienced side. Uh, yeah, they've lost um, Brozier. Uh, Livermento is going to miss maybe the whole season, but certainly a large part of the season with his injury. So, yeah, I think I'm struggling. I've got them 19th. Barry? Uh, I have them 18th. Um, just, they have, uh, I was about to say interestingly, but I don't want a big <laughs> mess up. <laughs> so just uninterestingly, their uh, first five games of the season are Spurs away, Leeds at home, Leicester away, Man United at home, and Chelsea at home. So that's pretty tricky. And they could conceivably have zero to very few points uh, by the end of August, which which could make things interesting. But yeah, I have them going down 18. Simon? I do find it amazing, given the way last season ended, it felt they needed some kind of change they needed a bit more leadership and direction. And they signed a 20-year-old goalkeeper, a 20-year-old centre-back, a 20-year-old forward, an 18-year-old midfielder. I mean, it's a really interesting approach. I would like it to pay off for them. Uh, I, I like Hasenhüttl. I have the 19th. Wow. So, uh, across the board. So we're all, we're all, we're relegated all relegating Southampton. Southampton. Yeah, it's wild. Um, and that'll do for part two. Part three, I'll begin with Tottenham. Hi, I'm Kara Berry, host of Everyone's Business But Mine, and I am an all-inclusive addict. Enter Club Med, the best all-inclusive for you and your family. With resorts worldwide from their family flagship resort, Club Med Punta Cana, to their only mountain resort in Canada, Club Med Quebec, they have everything you need to relax. With their 20-plus sports activities, wellness programs, you can dine on delicious cuisine and make memories with your family. So book your next getaway with Club Med. Visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Undaria Algae Body Oil and Undaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Thank you. 
Welcome to part three of the Guardian Football Weekly. Uh, Spurs then finished fourth into the Champions League, have signed Richarlison, Basuma, Jed Spence, Ivan Perisic, Clement Longley. Bergwijn is gone. Simon, it all seems very sensible from Tottenham. Getting the business done early, buying players in positions they need. You know, with my Spurs hat on, it, it feels like they'll lose to Southampton on the opening day. It's the only way this story can end. They may do. Uh, I think that they've had uh, an excellent close season. They've made some good signings. I was a bit confused by um, Antonio Conte's reception to Jed Spence. He seemed to su- suggest he didn't wasn't sure what he was going to do with him and wasn't sure that he particularly wanted him. And it, it seemed a strange position to spend £20 million on when uh, Doherty's form at the end of last season had been kind of instrumental to their improvement. Um, but they've had... A Conte preseason, which sounds horrific. I was reading about like, they did an open training session in Seoul in front of six thousand people, and had their players doing forty-two lengths of the pitch at high speed until they were literally vomiting <laughs> and, and collapsing. Uh, I, I mean, a remarkable thing to, in, thing to do in front of spectators. Uh, but apparently, preseason has been brutal, and we know how. Conte valued fitness. Uh, I think all their signings improved the squad. Uh, I think that they were the clearly the third best team in the second half of last season. And I don't see why they shouldn't be again this season. Uh, Wilson, of the signings, who who do you think is key, most important for them? Well, you know, Richarlison, his, his defensive stats were exceptional last season. Uh, scored 10 goals, five assists in a, in a pretty poor Everton team. So he's clearly, and the fact he can play across the front three, he's clearly a great option. Takes the pressure off Kane and Son, and to a lesser extent uh, Kulusevski. And I think Kane and Son desperately needed that pressure taking off. Um, so I, I think he's a, a very exciting. And I think, I think Basuma, I think as a somebody who wins the ball back and distributes it sensibly, him alongside Benton Kerr at the back of midfield looks looks really good. So it, yeah, it's, it's just been a really sort of sensible. Uh, someone even bringing Fraser Forster as backup for Hugo Lloris, who I think has moments of shakiness. Even that seems a very sensible sign. Bringing in a what 30, 34 now, Forster, loads of Premier League experience, played for England, um, and, and presumably will be happy with that understudy role. So, yeah, I, I think if I were a Tottenham fan, I'd be pretty pretty optimistic. And I think the point of those those training sessions is not it's not just about fitness. If you talk to sort of fitness people, they'll tell you that going to the point where you're throwing up doesn't actually improve your fitness particularly. But I think what it does is improve psychological fitness, that that you know that when it starts to hurt, you still can keep going. And it's, you know, it's almost a bonding experience. They, they, they've been through this, this horrific preseason together. And if you look at how Conte improved them last season without a preseason, well, now on top of a preseason, that, 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 that should be very, very good for them. Is that true for all vomiting? I mean, like if I was to get all the pod panellists together and we would drink till we're sick and when everyone's vomiting, you know, when Barney and Jordan are in the corner with Robin just hurling, hurling up, I could just say this is psychologically great and, and it will... Be- well, in, in a strange way, I think, yes. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not, I, I think... Yeah, you obviously got to be careful with booze, and we, yeah, you know, I'm not suggesting anybody should go out and, and drink, drink till this. Oh, or just a big run, or, or just a big run of the panelists, or just run us till we're yeah, sick. Yeah, I, I, I think, um, you know, I would say the best pods we do are when we're hungover. Mm, possible. Um, Barry Perisic is an interesting signing. As Schwitzy says, is he a, 
a regen in football manager of Perisic or has Conte brought a wing back on his last legs for the Premier League? The first tired Croatian. Um, seems like a smart move, like everything Conte's done so far. Yeah, um, I would have had him in the, ahead of Richarlison in the, the key signings uh, chat. Um, it looks like it will be him and Doherty uh, on either side. Um, we all know... Uh, Conte loves a winger or a wing back, and we, he's got Perisic, Doherty, Jed Spent, Ryan Sassignon, Emerson Royal, and possibly Lucas Moura. So he's six to choose from. Um, looks like Perisic and Doherty will be the uh, main men for the time being. Although Conte has said they're not fully fit yet. So, uh, but it, it, I, I would also be optimistic if I was a Tottenham fan. I think the only thing stopping them from potentially stopping them from breaking into the or from continuing the top four is is their inherent spursiness Legion as well seven potential wingbacks well i think they want to get rid of him although he is still there um where do you where do you where do you have them finishing simon uh i have them third barry fourth jonathan third uh yeah i have them fourth i mean i think they might come third but i i just wanted to pl- i just want to play it down the hope, not the, that staggering difference it makes coming third or fourth. Um, West Ham. Confession time. I completely left out West Ham and I put Aston Villa <laughs> seventh and ninth in the CS Premier League. I suppose they're, the, look, they're both wear clarets. I guess that's my excuse. Uh, came seventh last year. Uh, they brought in Skamaka from Sassuolo. Um, uh, Aguer from Ren, who's already injured actually. Uh, and a couple of others. Um, Yarmolenko and Ryan Fredericks have gone. Uh, their squad is pretty much the same as last season, but they have, Simon, brought in another centre-forward, which they really needed, right? They did really need some kind of uh, assistance for Antonio, who you know, at, at times has seemed to be their entire kind of attack. You know, the, running down the wing, uh, holding the ball up. Well, like he, he just does every available job and he's needed someone to to help him and work with him. And hopefully that'll work out. Uh, last season, they tailed off quite badly at the end of the year, having come into the season on the back of a very positive preseason with lots of good results and carried that form in. Uh, and this preseason seems to have been much less positive in, in terms of performances and results in their preseason friendlies. And uh, I, I'm not sure I'm quite as. Uh, I'm not sure I'm that optimistic. I'm not sure that they will repeat the performances of early last season. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how Skamaka works out. Big, big, powerful, tall lad takes free kicks. He could be a huge success. I I have a feeling. Um, I note they. I think they've had a bid accepted for a little defensive midfielder called Amadou Anana, who I know nothing about. But is this with a view to possibly losing Declan Rice in this window or will Rice stay for the season? I don't know. As things stand, the fact that they've held on to Declan Rice and Jared Bowen is, is huge for them. I think Bowen was brilliant last season and Declan Rice is, you know, obviously a brilliant player. Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things that, that happened last season was, was Ogbonna's injury in that 3-2 win over Liverpool uh, which was when, just well, just maybe end of November or beginning of December. I think that really hit them. 
so yeah, he he should be back. And and then there's a stat that I, I don't quite know how to read it that they were the fifth most efficient team in terms of shot conversion last season. Now, does that just mean they're really efficient? And actually, Skamaka fits that. I think of players who had more than 50 shots in Serie A last season, he was the second most efficient in terms of goals to shots. Um, or does that mean that they were you know, a little bit fortunate? So, yeah, I, I think there'll be a, a, a sort of gentle drift down without being anything too dramatic. I quite like the Flynn down signing. Uh, I think that's a very David Moyes uh, and a very West Ham signing. Obviously, he's a West Ham fan, uh, come from Swansea. They've been very successful at plucking talent from the championship. He seems a, a kind of more natural uh, Moyes acquisition than Skamaka does. Uh, and yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the, the pair of them settle in. But kind of a like-for-like replacement for the outgoing Mark Noble to bring in a West Ham supporting midfielder to fill that slot. Is he is he 45 years old? or He doesn't exactly and precisely fill the slot. Not exactly the same slot. Right, okay. Will will he take over dressing room sweeping <laughs> duties? Will he be a class act? That's the key, isn't it? Um, Simon says, is the Everton Cup now the West Ham Cup? And if so, should we not have always called it the David Moyes Cup, given that's where he also finished with Everton and Manchester United for a total of seven, five seventh-placed finishes, I think. And if so, who will win the Moyes Cup? Well, I have David Moyes winning the Moyes Cup, mainly because I had to put West Ham in at 10 o'clock last night, having failed to put them in originally. So I've got West Ham seventh. Jonathan? I've got them ninth. Barry? As uh, ninth for me as well. Simon? And also ninth here. Also ninth. Um, I, maybe maybe I should have just cut and pasted them in ninth and put Villa at seventh. I can't remember what I said yesterday about Aston Villa. Uh, Wolves came tenth last year. Uh, they brought in Nathan Collins from Burnley. Um, uh, they haven't sold anyone. They've kept hold of Neves and Matinho. Um, Charles says, is Wolves going into the new season with zero fit strikers potentially bad? Jonathan? Yes, you'd say so. I think even if they are fit, there's a question mark there where the goals are going to come from. I think Jimenez isn't the player he was before the head injury, uh, which yeah, maybe it'll come back, but I, I, I don't think it's a huge surprise if he's a little bit more tentative than he was. Uh, Huang only got five goals a season. Fabio Silva's been loaned out. So yeah, they're, they're, they're short of Short of goals, I'd say. And the other player who's left, although he wasn't sold, is Romain Sice, who I think was a huge part. I mean, I guess Collins is coming to replace him, but yeah, he, I think he's been a very consistent player and so he he may well be missed. Yes, my friend Martin, the Wolves fan, said signing Nathan Collins was very exciting. I had to question whether signing Nathan Collins could ever be that exciting, but like quite a good purchase. I, I don't, I, I really think they'll struggle, Barry, this season. They were a bit of a shambles towards the end of last season. They were very much on the beach uh, in their last 10 games. One, two, drew two, lost six. And drew two and lost six of the last eight games. So that's... And they were visibly... I think it was a game... I think they, they got thumped by Brighton and they were the players quite clearly just did not care. They weren't trying a leg. And that that's not a great... Uh, sign of how things are going i mean i i think nathan collins signing is quite exciting actually uh i believe they've been playing a back four in pre-season and i i'd imagine he'll slot in beside max max killman which could mean bad news for connor cody and and his chances of going to the world cup um but i i don't expect much from wolves but i 
reckon they'll be fine. I I think they will have a different manager by the end of the season. On the uh, Connor Cody thing, I'm, I'm my my hot take is that Eric Dyer will start for England at the World Cup, um, but uh, maybe that's just a Spurs bias. I like Eric Dyer. Anyway, Simon, thoughts on Wolves, please. So real issue in attack. They had fewer shots on target last season than anyone except the three relegated sides. Fewer shots overall than uh, than Burn than Burnley. Yeah, more only than than Watford and Norwich. Their XG was better only than Norwich. Goal scoring was a real issue. Uh, I expect that they will sign a, a striker in what remains of the transfer window and that they will be okay. That I do think that needs to be dealt with. Uh, but then from there, they should reach some kind of mid-tableness. 17th for me. Jonathan? 15th. Barry? 13th. Simon? 13th. And that's the whole Premier League. That's good. Um, a bit of any other business. Um, uh, some Brighton feedback um, when we talked about them not having any centre forwards. John said, "Sorry to be that um, tosser, Baz, especially about something you don't care about." But two of their feeder clubs, uh, USG's best players, Undav and Mitoma, are now at Brighton. Both scored freely uh, at USG. So uh, Undav signed for Brighton in January. He's now in the first team squad. And same with Matoma, signed last summer, was on loan at USG last season. So they may have some centre-forwards and score some goals, Brighton. Uh, ben got in touch to say, look, you guys are the experts, but you may have confused Ben me with a moth. Uh, hashtag bright lights on the idea <laughs> <laughs> that Ben me may suddenly, uh, Ben me and Raheem Sterling have moved to London and we'll just hang out together at nightclubs. Uh, I, I was strolling home last night and I, Saw a fella comatose face down in the gutter, so I just I had to check to make sure it wasn't Ben me. <laughs> After yesterday's pod, poor old Ben. Um, and you probably saw this story yesterday about Southend United. Uh, they signed a commercial partnership with local estate agents in uh, Leon C called Gilbert and Rose. Um, the juxtaposition of Gilbert and Rose with West Stand inadvertently saw Rose and West appear next to each other on season ticket cards and the club's website. Um, Southend uh, began their season on Saturday, are now to discuss a different arrangement of words with the sponsor. They could change the sponsor and get Betfred in instead. (laughs) Anyway, um, that'll do for today's podcast, won't it? Hope you're happy with our Premier League previews. We'll be back on Monday uh, after the games have happened with uh, Lars and John Bruin. Um, but for now, uh, Jonathan Wilson, thanks so much. Cheers, thank you. Simon Burton, thank you. Pleasure. Uh, thank you, Barry. Thanks. See you on Monday. Football Weekly was produced by Joel Grove. Our executive producer is Christian Bennett. This is The Guardian. 